So the conceit, the joke, the cuteness of this, um, it just sucks. Hello, and welcome to the Autonicast. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I'm the Communications Director for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education and the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. And I'm Kirsten Korosek, Transportation Editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Alex Roy, the um, co-host of the No Parking Podcast, founder of the Human Driving Association, Director of Special Operations at Argo AI, but I do not represent them here. And today, we're going to talk about these Super Bowl ads which very foolishly and suboptimally depict alleged self-driving technology. My friends, <laughs> who wants to go first? You should go for you just you just said something very inflammatory. Yes, uh, you did. And and but can I add just one little item to that? For our listeners, we're gonna talk about probably other things than just the Super Bowl, but we're gonna kick it off with that. This is their stream of consciousness episode. Uh, because we realize we haven't had a news episode in a long time. So there could be a lot of twists and turns. Like let, Apple, car, Apple Car? Apple Car? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be a wild ride. Oh, all well, right. Let's start with Super Bowl. And did 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 Alex Roy's eyebrow twitch at how many times during the Super Bowl watching the ads? So there's a, there was a company called De- Dexadrine 5. What are they called? It's called Dexcom. Dexcom. <laughs> what is it? What does this company make? It's a Dexcom it's a, makes glucose pumps. Among okay, other so, things. All right. So yeah. it's a product people want and need. Good for them. So if I recall correctly, there's an ad. This a good looking dude comes out. Is is it not Adam Jonas? The one of the Jonas brothers? It looks like a yeah, famous. It's musician. like it's like yeah. Nick Jonas. It's one of them. Nick, I don't Nick know. Jonas. Not Adam Jonas. It was Adam Jonas came out on <laughs> the surfboard to endorse this this drug. So there's you know as usual as as you will find with any drug ad, a collection of good looking people between the ages of forty and sixty emerge, and to do things that and they smile um, like a Stellantis ad. Oh, that's not a drug ad. Well, that's it a, could be. It could be. Okay. So, um, and among the things that happen between smiling couples, surfing and whatever people do, we're happy taking such drugs is a man in a car, which I don't know what kind of car it is. Hang on, Alex. Hang what? on, Alex. You, you. There's <laughs> a man in a car this doing is, no, no, what no. happy people do. What the ad ta- was. He takes drugs. No, 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 Alex. No. <laughs> <laughs> what the ad was the ad was saying that dexcom makes this glucose pump that's like super high tech it's right it's the whatever and and they were framing it in this sort of you know very popular perception that we live in this age where the future is at hand and there are all kinds of futuristic technologies that are all around us right now and so and one of them i think one of them was like was like we've got drones and it shows you know drones we've got this we've got that and then the other one was and and then it was we've got self-driving cars but to be specific it's a man who appears to be in a privately owned vehicle because if you're in a robo taxi you would not sit in the front right and so he's sitting in a car and he leans back with a big smile and puts his hands behind his head with a big smile and his car is driving itself that, now, amazing and, amazing and what alex is is saying here it, this is totally unambiguously a late model privately owned car. Like yes. it, there's nothing futuristic about it. And and the whole point of it is that self-driving cars are here. Right. And it's, it, 
you know, we live in this era of technological innovation of which the Dexcom glucose pump is one example among others. And, and it invokes this, this sense with, yeah, by saying self-driving cars are here, which, um, in the context that they showed it, not so not. much. Yeah. The interesting thing to me was that how the, the, the vehicle itself didn't look particularly futuristic, right? Yeah. And that's what which made it feel, um, in a way, even more disingenuous because, uh, sure, there are geofenced examples where we could find some level for occurrences in the world, but certainly not in a late model Toyota Corolla or something. Yeah, I thought it was a Polestar. Why didn't they just call Waymo and put a GoPro and have someone in the back of a Waymo? Um, you know, the. Uh, it seemed very clear to me that they wanted it to look like a Tesla, which I mistook it for the first, when I first saw the video. Um, but the thing that really, really drove me nuts was the, the, the subtitle at the bottom, which said, what, what, don't try this at home, or what was the, what was the uh, disclaimer? Do not attempt. Yeah, do not attempt, which then immediately tethers it. It tethers it to, to these Tesla videos. This is not Tesla's fault, although indirectly it probably kind of is, because if it was po- – if if there if there were not a spate of fake self-driving videos involving Teslas, we would not be having the exploitation of such a meme used during a Super Bowl ad. Well, don't you think if it wasn't Tesla, it'd be just another any other company, people exploiting technology for its use? You know, as we talk about this, um, I'm less annoyed about it as much as I am the other Super Bowl ad. Okay, you, what's the other Super Bowl ad? Okay, I, Dexcom, I forgive you. But if well, you come you're back, forgiven only because, because you don't, you're wrong. Well, you don't know any better, okay. and the people you, you hired you to do your ad. Yeah, your ad, your ad, yes. All right, let's, you're, let's, not, you're not an automaker, so you're. Let's, an let's set up the bad. other the other half of this, which is this other ad, because I think you need to understand both. Of them. Can I set it up? Because yeah, this one, is, okay, my setup is going to shock and surprise many, because we're going to go outside of self-driving cars to the fine actor. Um, what's how do you pronounce it, Timothy? Chalamet, I think. Chalamet? Okay. Now, Timothy Chalamet is stars in the upcoming Dune film where he plays Paul Atreides, the Quetzal Sadarak. And uh, he's a good actor. He doesn't need this paycheck, which is why it is beneath him. It is also beneath any actor who plays the character of Paul Atreides to appear in in, in, in what GM did. In order what, to market. What did GM do? Alex? Right. So this is like right, so, this is a Cadillac ad, right? Let's okay. So it's a Cadillac ad. GM developed several years ago in a partnership with Seeing Machines a wonderful driver assistance system called Super Cruise, which has a driver monitoring system um, designed by Seeing Machines. Um, it's in. It was in Cadillacs. It's expanding very soon to the new Chevy Bolt EUV, I believe. It's a good system, and. Uh, They've had GM has done a suboptimal job of of marketing this um, and explaining that it is not self driving because they have Cruise, which is actually their level four division. And so, in this ad, Timothy Chalamet, however you pronounce it, is plays Edgar Scissorhands, the son of Edward. And they went to the trouble of hiring Winona Ryder to appear in the ad so as to draw a timeline, father to son. And with his scissor hands, he's unable to drive a car. But luckily, when he gets into a Cadillac with Super Cruise, 
he could use his scissor finger to press a button and engage Super Cruise and drive safely on the road. Let's let's just describe a little, that okay. a little, just a little bit more detail, okay. right? So it, it shows him. Um, it's it's actually kind of like think of a if you've seen the movie Edward Scissorhands, it's sort of a condensed updated version of that, right? Where it's just him trying to navigate, you know, various things of daily life and having scissors for hands is inconvenient. And, um, and then, <laughs> sort of, and then he, and then it cuts to him behind the wheel of this vehicle with his mom. His mom has bought it for him or something. It's sort of implied or given it to him. And, and she sort of is like, yeah, you know, you can do this. And he presses the button and super cruise happens uh-huh. or super cruise is, is activated. And like, that's basically the whole app. All right, now I am going to attempt to contain my anger and rage to say a minute or two now. If a- anyone who knows anything about well, Super Cruise and just GM, and, but my, most manufacturers know that you cannot, from a standstill, start the car with scissor hands and then press a, press a button to engage Super Cruise and proceed. You actually have to get, start driving as you would any other vehicle and get into. Um, engage the radar cruise, the active cruise control, and then be in a location inside the super cruise geofence for you can engage the system. Uh, there are multiple steps in the user interface before you can engage it. So the conceit, the joke, the cuteness of this, um, it just sucks because it bears no <laughs> okay. relationship. It just bears no relationship to how super cruise, where it works, how it works or how to engage it. If if GM wanted to use, if their agency wanted to pitch a, an Edgar Scissorhands skit to sell self-driving, it would have worked perfectly if the cruise division had a vehicle commercially available today. But they do not. This agency, if they had any decency, would have tried to sell this, this concept to Waymo, which does have such a surface. Uh, Maybe surf. they should try selling it to Waymo and so Waymo Alex, just passed. I, I'm just beyond angry about this because <laughs> it, demeans, it demeans it's beneath GM. It's beneath the technology they developed years ago, which is good. Super Cruise is good. And this ad is just... It's also beneath the actor who plays Paul Atreides. Dune is a very important piece. <laughs> can I, can I understand? Literature. Can I understand your critique in a little more detail here? Are you saying that this is like not a good ad um or are you saying that this is like potentially dangerous because i think that's an important distinction to make i I don't think this is dangerous it's it's let me tell you if anyone buys a a super cruiser vehicle because of this ad and attempts to engage it from a from a stop the way edgar scissorhands does you're going to be very disappointed you're going to have a lot of upset Super Cruise owners. It's not a cheap option because it just doesn't work that way. It's geofenced and for good reason, and it cannot be engaged in the me- in the way it was in the car. All right. You have to go through multiple steps. And by the way, if anyone out there wants to buy some scissor hands at at a at a Halloween shop and and make a video where they attempt to do this, uh, I, that I think would be would- very irresponsible, and you would never think that anyone should do that because then you would basically be yeah. doing the same thing yeah. that everyone else does. So you're yeah. actually not suggesting that. My, the, the end of my thought was that would be very dangerous and, and, and irresponsible. You should not do that. Right. But That's I, would watch, I would, but I would watch it in order to warn you away from future behavior like that. Oh, okay. Alex, yeah. If GM had come to you and said, look, we've got this thing, we're locked into doing an Edgar Scissorhands thing. The basic sort of contours of this ad are kind of stu- set in stone. We can't do something totally different. 
but we could maybe make some changes if you would recommend that. What 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 would you have done to change this? I, I would have had Edgar say to his mom, my whole life I've wanted to make a car go and I can't. And she says, don't worry, honey. I have just the thing. She arrives in the super cruiser equipped vehicle. They enter the geofence, the highway geofence. And she says, here, honey, press this button. He leans over and presses the button that engages the second stage above for, for active cruise. For, for, for cruise, super cruise. Yeah. For cruise, not super cruise. Yeah. He engages the active cruise control. And then because they're inside the geofence, the icon oh, on the steering, the steering wheel Got light it. turns green. It's engaged now. And the green, maybe the green light reflects off his metal bladed hands. And he smiles his first true smile of joy as an adolescent. But he's not behind the wheel. He's not. Doesn't yeah. matter. He's but a he, passenger. He's always just wanted to make it's it. Not a as quote. compelling. I want to make a, a quote. Make a car go, mom. Just want to make the car go. And yeah, he made but it then, go. All right. But the driver can make the car go. So that's not so, as compelling to me. Yeah. Right. How about so, so Alex? Let's oh. let's go through this step by step though, because I want to I want to just kind of go over some specific aspects of this. So so I mean, he uh, your your complaint in in a way is that it's it's not plausible that he would even be in the driver's seat because, <laughs> because how would he open the door? Right. How would he drive into the, the geo? Like it's a, it's yeah. a believability. How would thing, he turn sort the, of? Is well, that it? I mean, there's, if you could, even if you could suspend disbelief regarding the, 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 the onerous UI that burden carried by Edgar Cisrands throughout his life. Um, but also opportunity, uh, you could still not escape the fact that the Super Cruise engagement interface, the UI, requires steps that he cannot execute. Well, that the right. car can't execute. I think that's the, car, the biggest the car, issue. Yeah. So even actually, 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 any human being gets into a Cadillac with Super Cruise, and they, they, you cannot sit from a stop and engage the system and have it drive away. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. The car must be on in motion inside the fence, and the sensors have to detect that all conditions are optimal before it will. It's a two stage system. If to engage active cruise control and super cruise, if it sees that all conditions are met, will engage. So I think that you got to the most important point there is that advertising is mostly a lot of fantasy, especially Super Bowl ads, and there's a suspension of disbelief. But you the know, fantasy, but but that's and that's fine. The problem is, is that the fantasy is required for the not just the fictional character, but the actual real product, which is right. that it doesn't work in a neighborhood. It does. It only works in a geofenced area. So a better ad would have been, um, him driving, you know, or having a voice that opens the car door for him or doing the, or doing a cruise origin level four or any other product that actually where the product delivers something real matched up with a fictional character. You know what would have been an an amazing ad would have been if, if Edgar Scissorhands had diabetes and he was in the Dexcom ad and then, and he just, you know, he couldn't reach his pump or drive a car, but you know, and then, but he took the, the medication and then got in like a cruise origin and it took him away. I mean, it would be complete, all boxes are ticked. 
All right. right. I mean, I, I got the sense that the Edward Scissorhand thing has probably been pitched like to various products and then GM landed on it. But really, if I were to pitch any pair of Edward Scissorhands with any product, it would be something that's voice controlled. Yeah, yeah of course. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we're in the wrong business. Well, no, I just want to, I want to get to, I mean, you're, you're coming up short now of, of, of saying that this ad was like dangerous or as the term is a ton of washing. Right. But people did, in fact, no less than, than Phil Koopman, a a previous guest Uh on the Atonicast and a a very well-respected guy in uh, AV safety technology uh, or automated driving safety uh, did really, he said it was, it was dangerous that it, or that it had a dangerous message and um, the center for auto safety as well um, agreed with him. I, I discussed this a little bit with him on Twitter and I really disagree. I, I, I think, and I, I think especially, I think seeing the, the GM ad as being worse than the Dexcom ad, I, I also really disagree with. Well, you so, think the Dexcom ad is worse than the yes, GM ad? I absolutely do. And here's why. Yeah. Here's why. So, so first of all, it's really important to recognize, right? Okay. So, so, so first of all, you know, I think Cadillac has, they've had challenges with the marketing of these systems, right? Of Super Cruise. And it's understandable why, right? Um, it's not, the most it's, successful, it's failure, yes, it is. Alex, who, is who is most successful at marketing uh, uh, level two driver assistance? Tesla. 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 How did they do it? They employed their fans to do it for them. They don't advertise. But, but okay, okay, but they but they call they, it autopilot. They call it autopilot. You know, when Elon shows it, you you know, it does a, a demonstration on TV, he's looking away, his hands aren't anywhere near the wheel. He shows it in a very using it in a very casual manner. You know, there's all of this talk about Tesla being a leader in self-driving, that that this is, you know, basically as close as you know you can get to a self-driving system that you can buy. Like there's all of this stuff, and it's all about exaggerating. I think it's really important and, and like with gm too i mean we've seen um you know uh, uh ads in the past where they've sort of gotten a little closer to flirting with the sort of this is kind of self-driving thing and 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 it's important to recognize they showed edgar edgar scissorhands this character when he pressed the button his eyes remained on the road and his hands remained by the steering wheel at all times so i think it is important to recognize they did not show him using it unsafely, which you contrast to the Dexcom ad where this guy in, in this apparently self-driving, but it would have to be because it's late model car, it would have to be a driver assistance system. He is laid back. He has his hands behind his head and he has this very, very relaxed, you know, uh, almost like drowsy look on his face. Okay. And so I think, I think the GM ad compares very favorably in that respect. And, 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 you know, and I think that that makes a huge difference. Now, you know, if you want to talk about the the danger, which I understand, you know, or the alleged danger of this ad, which I understand that you're not I necessarily trying to argue here, but I just I just think that they, they shot themselves in the foot because people are going to who, who may buy this car are going to think they can get into it and just hit go. See, I and I think that that's bad. No, but because they show it, they show it on the freeway. He's on the freeway already when he activates it. Oh, is you know really? Maybe I'm remembering yeah. it wrong. The, it's the, it is not from a dead stop. Like, so how did they get to the freeway? So that is a question, right? <laughs> that is a question, but it's but it's no more of a an issue than how did he open the door to get into the car? Like, here's the thing, <laughs> which is by the way, hands- I would love to see that ad. It'd be before- hilarious if he tried to get in the car, scratched it, cut the interior, and then finally in motion puts on, hit his, the button, puts on his seatbelt. Yeah. 
and then finally gets to the highway, presses a button, and Super Cruise saves the day. That would have been a great commercial. Yeah. I mean, so like the fact that he can't take over, like I, I understand how people see that as being problematic. The thing is, is nobody is going to look at this ad and be like, finally, there's a car that I, a person born with scissor for hands, can finally go drive. Like that's not going to happen. And in fact, I did not like a exhaustive, but I did a, a number about 10 different sort of variations of searches on Twitter to see if I could find even one person who had taken the lesson that the people who are calling this a tonne washing sort of <laughs> would take. And, and nobody did. Like I couldn't find a single person who was like, Oh, that self-driving Cadillac was cool. And, and, and the, the fundamental problem that everybody in this space has to deal with when, when they have these kinds of, of systems is that people think fundamentally that um, hands-free means it drives itself, right? And that's a, that's a really huge challenge. And frankly, when, when Ford announced that um, the F-150 and, and, and Mach-E would have hands-free driver systems, I had to write a whole blog post on PAVE to explain to people, this is a level two system, right? It's no different than autopilot in terms of its basic, basic sort of capability. Okay. There's going to be variations, whatever, but like, like in terms of SAE categorization, it's just a level two system. The difference is, is that it has um, essentially a driver monitoring system that allows you to have your hands off the wheel. Basically all it does is it doesn't, hands-free just means you're not using the steering wheel to measure driver attention. And, and the challenge is to, articulate that hands-free doesn't mean that it drives itself. But again, I was almost actually a little bit surprised because I wasn't really sure. I, I thought maybe I might be able to find one or two people who were like, oh, that Cadillac was driving itself. But no. I, I, I Again, it's not scientific, but I didn't see it. And it's very clear to me and very clear. And by the way, the vast majority of this stuff was you know, oh, I remember being a kid in the '90s and watching, you know, Edward Scissorhands. Like it was, it was a nostalgia thing much more than it was a technological demonstration thing. And just the hook was obviously, this is a hands-free system. Here is a historic, a nostalgic, not historic, but a historic pop culture figure, um, who doesn't have normal hands. Like that's it's it's <laughs> yeah. that it's that simple. Now you can say that that wasn't a great ad. And I could tell you what I would what I would have changed about it, but like that does not make it dangerous. Okay. While so we're I'm gonna say some can I say something like super please. controversial? Yes. I agree with Ed. Okay, that's fine. While you were ranting, Ed, I decided to do something uh, interesting. I looked up the new Tesla Model S and X interiors, which um I I was inspired to do so because Several people cracked a joke about what would happen if Edward Scissorhands tried to take the wheel. And the, the joke was that it would look like the new Tesla SNX steering wheel. It would be cut in half. <laughs> the and, uh, yeah, as you, I, and, and it occurred to me, speaking of driver monitoring and hands-free operation, that for three years on this podcast, we have talked about um, why Tesla has not in it, uh, implemented a camera-based driver monitoring system the way Cadillac does with Super Cruise and Ford is going to do soon. And BMW is doing on one, doing on one model. And because, you know, because the model three, the model Y have a cabin facing camera. And if you look very closely at the Tesla configurator, 
And here's the setup. I predicted that Tesla would never implement driver monitoring via camera until the SNX had a cabin-facing camera. And what do you see in the Tesla website right now? Well, a camera-facing cabin camera. The Tesla Model S has a camera cabin-facing camera, just like the three and the Y. Does that so, mean robo taxis are coming soon? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the The model it looks like the the Model X has it as well. I mean, anyway, I'm not making, I'm not, I don't know if I can stand by my prediction because people smarter than myself have said that the cabin facing camera in the three and the Y does not, um, has poor off axis um, capabilities and low light is suboptimal and insufficient for even um, resolution, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it is insufficient for proper driver monitoring. But I will predict this. In the future, when as companies begin try to meet Euro NCAP 2025 standards for, or Euro NCAP 2025 um, requirements for DMS, that the lack of a standard for DMS type and performance will lead to all kinds of things. And, and among them, we'll probably see some manufacturers are going to take liberties and put in the cheapest, least capable solution and say, our job is done. And well, we'll see how that goes. So. so if I, if I, if, if, if Cadillac had come to me and said, you know, we're locked into this ad concept, but you know, could you maybe improve it? Like, I think the only thing that I would have changed, I think you could do the exact same ad, basically the same, by the way, it was the number three, I think most watched uh, Super Bowl ad, um, according to variety. What was number two? I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me, but, um, but uh, I, I can tell you if you want, I can look it up, but, um, no. but, but all I would have done is added for like a second or two, just, I don't think they even had to say anything. I think just showing the driver monitoring system in action, because I think it's, it's completely tied to the hands-free capability, right? Without that camera, you can't do hands-free. That's why Tesla can't do hands-free. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's a fundamental part of the hands-free nature of it. And, and on top of which, you know, when, when consumer reports did their last <clears throat> group, um, you know, assessment of driver assistance systems, uh, the driver monitoring system in Supercruise, which as you have said multiple times, we all have said is very good and basically the best one on the market today. Um, you know, that was the difference. It wasn't the performance of Supercruise itself that, that made it better than the others. It was the sophistication of its driver monitoring system. So it's clearly a competitive advantage. It makes sense to do it. I think they could have, it's also something that you can show visually very quickly without having to get into a bunch of complex exposition. So, mm. and I think if they done that, they'd shown driver monitoring, like I, there would have there been, would there be any criticism of this ad? I mean, as well, opposed, I don't forget about the criticism for a minute. Because, um, like I said, I agree with you. I think that like calling it a dangerous ad is a little bit silly. And I didn't say it was dangerous. No, no, sucked. no. But the the rest of the critics. But I do think it's a missed opportunity for GM, which I know wants to show itself as or position itself as tech centric and futuristic in terms of gaining talent in this new direction. Had they highlighted the DMS system in a in a quick but sort of techy futuristic way that would have been more compelling to position the company as the future of transportation uh as opposed to what it is so to me it's not dangerous it's just a missed opportunity speaking of uh i'm going to say something positive now i went this weekend 
to um, help purchase a new car for a family member. And that car was a Subaru Crosstrek. Um, and that Subaru Crosstrek uh, ADAS package had to be one of the best I've ever driven. You mean Mobileye? Is it all Mobileye? Yeah, it's EyeSight. It's really good. I'm pretty um, sure. It's really good. The lane keeping was very good. Uh, the uh, active cruise control, which is camera-based, stereoscopic cameras, um, very good. Uh, and I was really surprised at how much quality went into that car. This is about, I mean, this is a fully optioned car, $30,000 car. That was, a, it's a really nice drive. And I would say that dealer did a, a, an okay job of explaining it. Like not great, but okay. And, but one thing they did that I was very happy to see that Tesla didn't do when I got my Tesla, they explained in great detail that you want to keep the stereoscopic cameras clean. I am mistaken, by the way. I think that they used to um, have Mobileye as a supplier, but I just did a very quick check because I wasn't sure. And I believe that they signed a contract in 2020. What year was this vehicle? 2021? Brand new 2021. It looks like... um, uh, I'm not going to, pr- I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but Jungo, who is it? Is, uh, Xilinx, is it? X-I-L-I-N-X. Xilinx. Xilinx. Um, thank you. Yeah. So what's interesting about this implementation is that the stereoscopic cameras for the right. automatic emergency braking and active cruise are not conformal, like with the windshield, they are set back from the windshield. Um, I'm assuming because, if you want, if you have to replace that windshield, you don't have to repl- move or replace the cameras. Or if the cameras go bad, you don't need to mess around with the windshield. Um, and like when my Tesla had a windshield replacement, they had to recalibrate the cameras, bit of an operation. Anyway, I just want to plug Subaru here. Really nice job, very good assistance, and they win a lot of ADAS um, Comparos, and I can see why. It's pretty decent. I'm wondering if. Um I need to check my history on it, but um, yeah, they they announced just in August that Xilinx is is been tapped for its new eyesight vision based. And so, what I I don't know, Ed, if you know this off the top of your head, if they had, um, I thought they had previously used Mobileye for its eyesight. So I don't know if that's just a little insidery little automotive trade news there from back in August. Um, and if this is a, a new thing, but it's interesting to see companies like Subaru that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being front runners. You wouldn't, I, you know, it, it's, this just, this actually goes back to the Cadillac Super Cruise marketing problem is that the OEMs, n- no one has really figured out uh, how to differentiate the packaging of their ADAS in a way, uh, whether it's performance uh, user interface, um, effectiveness, you know, um, just, they just, just, they hadn't figured it out. Like I had to really dig to, to find, um, comparisons of, of ADAS to see how good Subaru's was. And then when I used it, I'm like, I'm, I'm convinced here still haven't figured out the display and the situation, situational awareness, but performance wise, it's a good system. Anyway, we can move on. So. Well, I was just I was just going to add, I mean, I think 
you know, the um, the lack of sort of talk about driver monitoring. And by the way, does does Subaru Eyesight, is there a camera-based driver monitoring in that? I don't no. think so. No. no. Uh, they have a thing called driver focus, which mm. is – I'm not clear on, on how it works. We should ask Sam Abulsamedi. He apparently knows quite a bit about it. Um, uh, there is a uh, – I think there's a torque sensor on the wheel because if you, keep, if you take your hands off um, – Take your hands off the wheel. The, the vehicle will it will keep lane. I, I my experience was mm, 10, 12 seconds, which is pretty close to what Tesla will do. Uh, and again, you shouldn't be doing this, but it held lane quite effectively. In um, so yeah, it, I think- it seems that Subaru used to have a windshield replacement like calibration issue, so they must have updated it and changed it. Smart. Um, Smart. Since then. I think I think there is a. I was just going to observe. I think there is a problem with with advertising driver monitoring. I think people. I think there's so much concern about surveillance um, that people kind of assume that a, a, a driver facing camera is going to be somehow connected to the internet or to sending data back to servers or whatever. Like they don't. I mean, driver monitoring systems are specifically designed to keep stuff on board. The data well, that they collect is only not, relevant to the operation in real time are, of that system. Some are. Some are not. Okay. I, I, I was, who, who, who is sending DMS data? So there are, uh, I'm not aware of OEMs doing it, but it, you know, there are systems out there, military systems, they exist. So right, like the, 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 Amazon, the one that Amazon drivers have, for example, it yeah. is not, it's to say it's impossible is not true, but realistically, I had a discussion with Colin Barnon about this at, um, what's his name of his, uh, his consultancy. Um, uh, semicast. Semicast. So, Colin Barden, how are you? Colin should come back on talk about this. I asked Colin this very question, and he said, "Well, first of all, Alex, he said from a power consumption standpoint, forget data storage power consumption. If you want to add DMS, um, you don't want something that is you need the lowest consumption possible, smallest size possible, and you don't want to be you know eating up data. And it, so, the the he said it's really not a concern, although." It, Privacy could be it is in the consumer grade products that are out there. It's not. And did you see a few weeks ago there was that the Amazon story you, you refer? There were uh, some commenters on Twitter who were just going to town on Amazon about the evils of you know driver surveillance and driver monitoring. And I think beyond just the safety of driver assistance systems um, and you know suboptimal marketing of that, uh, I think companies really need to need to explain themselves regarding the the capabilities and limits of dms they really do and you know and adas just generally in general it's just there are so many safety benefits to all of these technologies have potential safety benefits which will not be not propagate not certainly not become ubiquitous if people don't a trust them b want them and those are two different things because people will trust a system that monitors you, um, but they're not going to want it if they think it might surveil you. Yeah, and they and people people need to know, and they're probably sh- and I'm sh- you know GDPR is a whole big thing. We need privacy is then is the final luxury in life, and people want to feel it. Let them know. The, the, anyway, I I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and you know, our audience will love it because I I'm sure that they've already listened to me make one mistake already when I was like, oh, Subaru is definitely mobile eye. But I just did some quick quick uh checking and you know, please feel free to DM me to correct me again. But looks like I don't think that they ever were really involved in Subarus, which was my mistake because I thought for sure that they were involved um on the early on. Did you see the story, Colin Barnon's column last week that just basted Mobileye for not having a DMS strategy? I did see that. Oh, that was both barrels, man. Both barrels. Um, <laughs> I feel like the next round of M&A is going to be the DMS space. Now, now the autonomous sector is seeing a lot of M&A. DMS is our companies are in the next 12 months, you're going to maybe even six months, just an orgy of M&A. Here's a question for you. Do you think though that in the world of DMS, do you there there's these little sub niches of it, right? There's there are the the companies that are uh, just trying to supply a driver monitoring assistant or a driver monitoring system to be used for ADAS. Then there's like this next level, which is sort of the emotive piece. Affectiva. Um, correct, like the affectivas of the world. Do you think that um, they all have room or is it, and they can all kind of compete within their little mini niches? Okay. So this is interesting question. Hmm. Uh, Colin Barnett has another article. Maybe he's had two articles where he talks about the actual hardware architecture required to do any of this. Um, Look, there are, I think that companies like, Affectiva, and I haven't seen what they've done in the last few months, and our friends at Adam Cogtech, everyone knows I love them, um, uh, are, you know, do things that, from what I understand, complement um, DM uh, driver monitoring systems. So what Steam Machine does, and there's a few others, I think what this Jungo and Xilinx and who knows, I forget the other ones. Right. Um, no, I under yeah. I understand the complementary. I'm asking you how you think that the the industry or these all these little sub-industries will evolve. Will there be consolidation? And instead of having these complementary companies, they'll end up being acquired by larger companies and it, the tech folded in? Or is there room to have these companion pieces of they're all gonna they're all gonna get bought and folded together. So your Bosch, your Conti, whomever, you're gonna buy the biggest DMS company you can. And if there's a smaller guy out there with a next gen thing, if it's Affectiva or Adam, you're gonna buy them too and fold together. Because it eventually, once everybody has DMS deployed in four years, um, then there'll be competition to they're going to compete on safety. Mm-hmm. People keep saying they don't want to compete on safety, but they're going to compete on safety because if you have a fleet with a thousand drivers and uh, you have 10 accidents a year, you can get it to five. You, you care, you care. And so if you, if someone else comes along and says my solution, it will get it down to two crashes a year, then you care. You're going to pay for that. So the tier ones are going to buy up all these DMS companies and they're going to merge them and then they're going to go to town and fight it out for the next 10, 15 years. And I think, I, I mean, I, I'm not an, I think Colin Barnon is maybe one of the only true experts in the sector, but um, he thinks that, you know, he thinks C machines is the mobile eye of, of DMS. Maybe they are, but um, there are other guys out there. I'd love to get some, one of these other DMS guys to come on the show. Um, there's a Swedish company, SmartEye. 
right? Um, let's have someone else come on the show and explain their point of view. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, speaking of, of consolidation, um, there was just a, a story um, today as we record this. Um, Mobilize is, is splitting off from Intel? <laughs> n- no. <laughs> I've, heard, no. I've heard that from a lot of people. Uh, that uh, um, Ford has sold its, uh, its share in, uh, in Validine LiDAR. Oh, uh, no. And uh, oh, there was an interesting quote from Argo, which, as we all know, is, is Ford's partner on level four uh, autonomous driving, uh, saying that they're, uh, I don't want to get the exact quote wrong, but it was something like the in-house development of LiDAR is, uh, is progressing. Sort so of I have something to add to that. <sighs> yeah? What's up? Uh, so my newsletter, um, I, I should have picked up on it uh, more than a week ago, but I was reading over um, a research note from... Adam Jonas? No. Nick, no. Was it Nick Jonas? Had a research no, no, no. <laughs> No, um, folks over at Deutsche Bank, and they had a a, a little research note on Vianir, and in Vianir's uh, earnings call, mentioned that it had lost a contract with an AV company on lidar, and if you recall, Velodyne and Vianir were working on uh, had a like a, a partnership, so it was really Velodyne. And um, so I reached out to to that um, analyst, and he sent me, you know, more on that research note, and basically that their educated guess was Argo. And then I, you know, talked to some sources. I don't bother going to Alex, of course, because he'll never tell me anything. I can't, but, I wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> but um, but that seemed to, you know, uh, be validated. And so I wrote about it over the weekend not seeing that Ford had also announced via a regulatory filing that it had, you know, rid itself of uh, Velodyne, which, you know, I think that it, they invested what 75 million in to Velodyne four years ago or so. Um, so this all comes together. And to me, what's really interesting about this isn't just the Velodyne story and Velodyne and Ford's relationship, which at one time was very close and now seems to maybe not, not so close anymore. Um, mm. But also what is happening with all of the LIDAR companies that were bought and absorbed into other companies, right? And they're all at varying degrees of success, depending on who you talk to and who you believe. Um, and, we won't know more until we see actual deployments, but, you know, Argo had, has, um, you know, Princeton, um, the uh, strobe was acquired by Cruz, correct? Right. Yes. Um, Blackmore was acquired by Aurora. Who else am I missing? I know there's at least a couple more that were acquired. Um, I think did Uber, did Uber ATG acquire one? I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, most of the big L4 players have acquired a, a lighter company of some kind. Right. But then there's, and, and then if you start to see those companies split off from, the, let's say, their uh, initial supplier, which was probably likely Velodyne, um, or stick with that company or try to do pivot and do something else, it, you start to see a picture of how those integrations are going and how that tech is playing out. Yeah. It's fascinating. I, and, and by the way, I mean, right. Like, so you have, you know, those companies that were acquired by L4 
developers. Um, you have some companies like Ouster, uh, who is very clearly targeting the non-automotive sector a lot more over the last year or two. Um, then you have um, uh, Luminar, uh, who is uh, you know clearly uh, made quite remarkable progress in terms of getting ADAS and, and sort of, well, level two, maybe level three kinds of, you know, in, in private, you know, in, in, in cars for sale to, to private consumers, um, that, that segment. Um, so if you're a LIDAR company that is uh, holding out for, uh, you know, a business sector, like trying to figure out where you're going to make your money, uh, there's not a lot of options left, is there? No. I mean, well, I think that you're starting to see LIDAR applied to, to various other industries, but there's, there seems to be already at least one active player in each of those. So. Yeah. Very interesting, guys. Uh, this is I, <laughs> I, not much for me to say here. Um, but I did think that that was interesting. And uh, I'm curious to see. I mean, my understanding, like this was years ago. This was what, 2016. Wasn't Velodyne and, and Ford very close? Like, oh, yeah. Very close partnership. Yeah. And 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 Vianeer, as you mentioned, I mean, they their contract was specifically to take Velodyne's uh, lidar and make it automotive grade for Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it it is fascinating that that didn't work out. Um, I don't know if we'll ever know exactly why. I have a feeling it- that someone will write a book about it someday, and I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to read it. I, I'll be maybe I'll have a quote in it. I don't know. Because it's either it's either that that partnership, which it is, it's interesting. There were three parties to that, right? There was the Velodyne, which was the technology supplier, Vianeer, which was you know getting it to automotive grade, and then and then Ford, the the customer, uh, and of course, actually Argo clearly involved in there to some extent. So that's four four players in that in that relationship. Um, you know, was it that that relationship wasn't working, or was it that uh, that you know, just the in, what the in-house development is going better than they thought it would be when they when that investment was made. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, right. I don't know, maybe a combination of both. The other thing that springs to mind, and I will just mention this briefly because I, I don't want to make Alex uncomfortable because we're talking about kind of Argo now, related. I, lo- I love you talking about this because I'm just happy. Uh-huh. I'm well, just happy to hear you guys talk about yeah. something. Well, that I, I, I don't know if this about. is relevant really, but you know, one thing of the reason why I thought that the, the Vianeer Valentine relationship was so important was because it was going to be that automotive grade. Right. And here was a major supplier. And if the, the customer relationship had continued with Ford slash the AV supplier uh, Argo, then it would, and it had been successful, then one might surmise that then Volkswagen would also end up using it because Argo works with Volkswagen, right? Um, I mean, maybe not, but if Velodyne had been wildly successful in that, and if Argo didn't have an existing LiDAR product that it was, you know, developing through its acquisition, that could have bode very well for the this LiDAR company. Um, I love that the the direction that we're going is like at a certain point in the not too distant future, it feels like every little bit of news, you'll be able to learn so much about the AV space just because of what, like the relationships are also so That's tight. what I mean. Like it's not reverse even- Reverse engineer kind of, yeah. You don't even necessarily need um, sources to directly infer. If you know enough about the connections of different companies, you can start to see- that's not to say that Valdine might f- not find someone else. 
Um, but obviously Ford is a major automaker, right? Um, and it was a company that had invested in them and wasn't just going to be a customer. So, you know, it's um, it shows progress, I think, in competition more than ever before in this space, which should be a good thing. Not great for Veldine, but good for the industry overall. overall. Um, Maybe. Guys, do we even need to talk about the California disengagement reports? No. No. <laughs> that was easy. No. Well, I mean, we could say one thing, which is... I wasn't, you trolled trying, hard. I wasn't trying to be mean, but here's the thing I'll say. You can't be against something and say that it's like not a good measurement of commercial is it, you know, readiness and then decide the following year that it is. And I understand that there's nuances to it, but just like for the sense of perception and optics, like the funniest thing about you calling out Kyle for doing that. Is, I didn't call him out. I mean, you, I just, you did, you did. <laughs> you did. It, it was, let me tell you, my slack was hilarity yeah. as in real time as you were doing that. Uh, you were fair. You know, he, you, you asked a question, he answered it. And while that was going on, um, uh, Craft chick. I I imagine that every, I know a few companies have people whose job it is is to, is to transcribe these <laughs> and then read them off if they're relevant. I love that when when Craft chick chimes in. He's like, you know, even though we're in first place in this worthless report, it's a worthless report. But just as a reminder, we're in first place. Right. I mean, you can't report. have both. And, it, is, it is either. And, and that, that was my point. <laughs> that was my point to Kyle when he responded and. That's the thing. It's like I wasn't trying to like just dunk on him, but I what I was trying to point out is is that the disengagement reports actually haven't improved in any way because there's no standard and what someone decides or what a company decides is an engagement one year can change the following year. And actually Apple, if you remember, I don't do you guys remember this, a couple of years ago there's these stories about how like terrible Apple was because mm. the disengagement reports or how far behind they were because the disengagement reports showed all these disengagements. Well, I think that Apple had a very high bar, like was being like any little thing they were counting as a disengagement. And I think that they realized, and I'm speculating here, but they clearly realized at some point that not any other company was doing this. And then so either their tech became incredibly good very quickly, or they decided to measure disengagements in a very specific and confined way. That's fine. But if every single company is doing it in a different way, then these are meaningless. Really. Yeah, I think that's kind right. of the the upshot. Um, well, and you the fact that there's any any spinning at all going on in it is just is a little I didn't even I don't even bother writing about it anymore because yeah. even total numbers of miles are suspect. So speaking of Apple then, sure. a lot of a lot of news about the Apple car. I, I loved it. There was a great tweet. Uh somebody said said, Hey, whatever you do, if you're an Apple supplier, you need to STFU. <laughs> you need to STFU because Apple will does not like and Hyundai. Well, here's know. a question for you. Do you think that um, this is my like, I don't know, cynical side, I guess. 
But if I didn't want to deal with taking on what could possibly be, yeah, potentially a lot of money, but maybe pull me away from my core product and could be a giant pain in the ass, Mm -hmm. might I, I don't know, try to spike a potential partnership by talking about it publicly? You're suggesting someone from Apple leaked the conversation with Hyundai? Hyundai? No, like Hyundai. You think someone from Hyundai leaked it to blow I, the deal? No. Why not? They they lost like they, eight million dollars in market cap or something. I think if anything, they leaked it because they thought it'd be cool and they got bitten. Yeah, but everyone seems to be leaking Apple, and every single one of those leaks has proven not to be correct. So you know something. I, let's get the let's just make sure we get the facts right here. So Hyundai, we we don't know. So. Hyundai had said that that they weren't in talks at one point. They kind of went back and forth. Nissan, which is more recent, told the Financial Times that they had been talking, but that and this was really interesting that um, that Apple insisted that the vehicle, ultimate vehicle, be only Apple branded. Like it just it's an Apple vehicle, no reference to the fact that it's being made by Hyundai or there's any relationship with Hyundai. I'm, I'm sorry, Nissan in this case. And that's what killed the deal. And they said it was because um, that would have left them as basically just a, a contract manufacturer, essentially um, the Foxconn of the of the auto industry, as, right. as has been mentioned. Which so is many why times. they should be talking to and probably have Magna or some other contract manufacturer, right? Yeah, it's interesting that they definitely are talking to um, OEMs rather than well. So Magna, right? Magna's problem is that they have only so much capacity right and right although although frankly given the apple cars time frame um but i mean there have been other links too there was the canoe rumor which didn't totally make a lot of sense to me because it's not like they have manufacturing capability what apple needs is a manufacturer uh someone who can scale and like you said be the the canoe the canoe rumor was there the canoe was is hyundai has a, a a partnership with canoe and so that the the speculation list that I saw was that and participated in um, was that was that the Apple Car would use potentially Canoe's platform um, through you know that deal with Hyundai. I, again, apparently it's not happening, so it's all. Uh, if, last week, Josh Wolf from Lux Capital tweeted a list of predictions from someone else, and I forget who it was, but one of the predictions from somebody, a very smart person, was that um, Tesla would buy somebody, an OEM. Mm. And in a connect the dots with what Scott Galloway has been saying and pivot. He's like, Apple could just buy a company if they felt like it. Sure. Um, you know, and which company do you think that's going to be? It's not going to be Hyundai. We need to, there's a whole other episode here just on this discussion. <laughs> and the only people qualified to tell us who these targets would be our favorite young experts from Israel. Um, oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was yes. Yeah, and we should get them to come back on and tell us, and then give them the scenario and have them predict. I promise you, their prediction will be better than anything I could come up with. Mm, the Grand okay. Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is is interesting. I mean, this, I, to this, me, this, in fact, Adam Jonas should hire them to to write the write the prediction reports. So. I'm I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that like apparently Apple is making a car to sell to people. I wrote a post at Bloomberg view. It was back when it was Bloomberg view before Bloomberg opinion, when the Apple cars, and it's funny too. I actually, I was just remembering the other day. I mean, this Apple car 
speculation has been going on for so long. Yeah. Um, I, I once did him <laughs> when, when motor trend did its apple cart, uh, issue, um, I photoshopped the crying Jordan face onto, onto their, their rendering or whatever. Like that's how long ago it was. I don't know. I don't remember exactly when the crying Jordan meme was a thing, but it seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and, uh, and, and so anyway, I, I wrote this piece again, way back, like 20, I don't know, 2017, something like that, maybe 2018. Way, way back. And the, before the, the dawn of time and, yeah. uh, And I just sort of made the argument, like, it makes no sense for Apple to make a car. Like they're going to, it's, if they get into mobility, they're going to make, it's going to be a service, right? Like I kind of speculated, maybe it'll be like a grade of Uber and maybe there'll be a specific vehicle for that service. But, but the idea that Apple was going to get in the the business of selling cars to consumers was something I just didn't think was going to happen. I mean, it seems like that's the deal, right? No one knows. This story is just going to continue on forever and ever. I feel like. It makes a lot of sense for there to be an Apple OS for a car because the CarPlay experience is a pale shadow of the iPhone OS experience. So solve that and combine that with a THX type certification, like a Dolby type certification for sound quality and some minimum video quality. So why wouldn't then Apple do what Google has done not just, I mean, we're not talking about Android Auto, which is like HMI. You're talking about Android Automotive. It, well, it, Android Automotive, the OS, that's in many vehicles actually right. now. Uh, Volvo, Polestar, you know, well, let, Ford. Let's, let's back into this. You listen to the Pivot podcast with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway, where they talk mm-hmm. about this. They both say the same thing. You don't like it? They both say the same thing. And they say something that's very true. Like they don't know or even care what the details are. If Apple comes out with a transportation product, they're both going to buy it. <laughs> and she even said, she's like, yeah, I gave up a car. I don't need a car. But if Apple makes a car, I'm going to buy one. Like, and th- you just answered it. your own question. <laughs> so <laughs> that kind of insight is. Uh, why, there are why people who buy the brand. It doesn't matter what's attached to it. Like, no, for, understood. That's true of Tesla. It's true of Apple. And so that is a very powerful gravitational force. It is, but I feel like that that is, it's something to acknowledge, right? And I could be, I'm sure, completely wrong. But there is also the boring old business of, you know, uh, not necessarily it, assuming that people will go for your product because of your brand name is, requires... So- yeah, here's, that's fine. Here's you what can I be think, an Apple. Here's what I think. Maybe it's a huge head fake. What I'd love to see is I'd love to see um, Apple, because Tesla's blown it on this, come out with an Apple electric bike. That is modular maintenance. It is the world's greatest electric bike. It is, it's awesome in every way. It's connected to the Apple fitness, all other jazz. And there's, they, they, they solve the bike maintenance issues. Like the, Whatever mechanisms or chain, whatever maintenance there is, they just take it off the table, they simplify it in some some fashion and take that box. So Apple does not become a bike shop. And then five to seven years from now, Horace Deddy has been hired to help conceptualize the package of a Tweezy type vehicle. It's Apple branded. And 10 years from now, um, there's an Apple car. 
Sure. I guess my only point, which I wasn't articulating well at all, was there's the Google approach, which is to not necessarily like go under the radar, but a little bit by working directly with automakers, providing the operating system, because that's where they see the most opportunity. And then there's the potential, which could be, like you said, a complete head fake Apple approach, which is like, betting on their extreme brand recognition and the people out there who will buy anything to like potentially build a car if that's what they're doing and expect that to be huge. And it might be, but we also know that building vehicles is hard and there's more involved um, in it and it would take a lot of capital. Why not just go the software route, you know, and build out OS system for automakers? That's what I would have thought until two weeks ago. And when these rumors started hitting a fever pitch, but my friends, we're out of time. Well, I guess that was a great stream of consciousness episode where we haven't really had a plan or a schedule and we just talked about whatever we wanted. It's been a minute since we've had one of those. Yeah. That's fun. Old, old school autonomous cast. Yep. Uh, all right. That was great. Well, uh, Tweetermeyer, on, Edward, you're on social media at all platforms at, at Tweetermeyer. Uh, Kirsten Korosek, who's uh, probably, I'd say, I think the best journalist alive in transportation today, based <laughs> on some of her the inferences she's made around a story around Velodyne. And okay, Lego. stop. Yeah, she's so good. Um, Kirsten Korosek on Twitter, K-I-R-S-T-E-N. K-O-R-O-S-E-C. Please follow her. She's very smart. Mm -hmm. And I'm AlexRoy144 on all platforms. Well, and thank you to our audience for listening to another episode of the Atonicast. <laughs>